0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: Welcome to episode 50 of the GDPR Weekly Show, a real milestone in our history. It feels great to have reached uh, 50 episodes of this show and a big thank you to everyone who's listened to the show right from day one, and uh, here's to the next 50 episodes. Anyway, to start this week's episode, as normal, I'd like to do a shout-out to our new listeners. Regular listeners will know that every week I do a shout-out to our new listeners, and this week we have new listeners from London, Northampton, Bristol, Cardiff, Manchester, Ipswich, Warrington, Dudley, Hull, Leeds, Portsmouth, Birmingham, Swansea, Southampton, Newport, Passport-upon-Tyne, And Nottingham, all in the UK. And we also have new listeners in Barcelona, in Spain, in Porto, in Portugal, in Brussels and Flanders, in Belgium, in Rotterdam, The Hague and Amsterdam and Utrecht in the Netherlands, Hamburg, Berlin, Frankfurt and Dusseldorf, all in Germany, Hoferstaden in Denmark, Uppsala and Stockholm in Sweden, Hajuma in Estonia, Tlapegos, Aps in Lithuania and a big apology to you there if I pronounced your town wrongly, Uh, Montenegro, Prague in the Czech Republic, Vienna in Austria, Bern and Valais in Switzerland, Milan in Italy, Zagreb in Croatia, Merez in Romania, Trichala in Greece, Istanbul in Turkey, Tel Aviv in Israel, Cairo in Egypt, Cape Town in South Africa, Karnataka and Tamil Nadu in India, Seoul, Daegu and Incheon in South Korea, Tokyo in Japan, Adelaide and Perth in Australia, Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, Rio Grande and Pernambuco in Brazil, British Columbia and Quebec in Canada, and then in the USA this week we have new listeners from San Francisco, New York, Fort Worth, Atlanta, Rochester, Washington DC, Boston, Houston, Minneapolis, Seattle, Bloomington, Jacksonville, Salt Lake City, Battle Creek, Los Angeles, St. Paul, Catoma, San Diego, Traverse City, Cadillac, Philadelphia, Cincinnati and Salisbury. So a big welcome to you all and of course a big shout out as always to all my regular listeners right across the world and I really do appreciate you all taking 30 minutes or so out of your week to catch up on the latest news in the world of GDPR and as always if you have any comments or you have any suggestions about who you'd like me to interview in future editions of the GDPR Weekly Show or you have any ideas for articles in future editions of the GDPR Weekly Show then please do just drop me an email to podcasts.com at insurety.co.uk that's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y y.co.uk, or you can find out how to do contact me via the uh, podcast page on our website at www.insurety.co.uk forward slash podcast and I do read all your feedback and really value your feedback. Unfortunately time doesn't allow me to reply to each piece of feedback individually but please be assured I do read and take note of every single piece of feedback that we receive. So in a few moments, I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we first of all take a look at our top 10 and bottom 10 countries for numbers of listeners now that we are on the benchmark of episode 50 of the GDPR you Show. We then move on to news of an email from stride.com advising users of the stride.com email service to change their passwords after a possible data breach. We then have news of a person arrested after a data breach at Lancaster University. We then have news of a data breach in Glasgow which potentially exposes child attendance at school details to the outside world and obviously has implications because of the sensitivity of that data. And then to Bulgaria where this week two people have been charged with terrorism offences after probably the largest data breach in Bulgarian history and certainly one of the largest data breaches across Europe. We'll then travel across the US and hear from New York State on their new data breach laws, which bring the data breach laws in New York State in line pretty well with what's in GDPR. We then have news of the Brexit Department here in the UK being reported for failing to notify the ICO of a data breach. And then finally for this week, we have news of a data breach in the Isle of Man, Department of Health and Social Care.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: As this is the 50th edition of the GDPR Weekly Show, we thought we'd just have a quick rundown of the top 10 countries where we have the most listeners. And also, just for interest the bottom ten countries where we have only one or two listeners. So, for the top ten, counting down from ten to top position, in position ten we have India, in position nine, Canada, in position eight, Germany, in position seven, Italy, in position six, Sweden, in position five, Australia, in position 4, the Netherlands, in position 3, Ireland, in position 2, the United States, and in number 1 position, perhaps unsurprisingly, the UK. So if that's the top 10, then what about the bottom 10? Well, the bottom 10 are made up of Slovenia, Mauritius, Venezuela, Oman, Panama, Latvia, Guadalupe, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Antigua and Barbuda. In each of those 10, we have only one listener in each of those countries. So it'd be great to get some more listeners in those countries. And of course, great to always have new listeners right around the world. But I hope that gives you a breakdown and shows you just how spread across the world our listeners are.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Button.
1: We begin this week with breaking news that Sky may have had a data breach in their email system. Uh, Sky customers have been told to change their passwords immediately, raising fears that Sky's email may have been hit by a data breach. We understand that the company is sending out emails to customers across the UK, urging them to reset their passwords as part of a security measure. When we spoke to the ICO, they said they'd not yet received details of any data breach from Stry. So we uh, wait to see what quite is happening. Uh, the email sent out by Stry contains a link for users to choose a new password. As Stry has had to change their existing logins, raising fears that the company has suffered some kind of data breach or viral attack. A spokesman for Stry said that, Stry, we take the security of their data and information extremely seriously. To help keep your account safe, we have reset the passwords of some Sky accounts. Several Sky customers took to Twitter to ask Sky if emails were genuine or part of a phishing scam, with the firm's official Sky Help Team account replying on Twitter that the emails were indeed genuine. To help keep customers' accounts safe, we occasionally reset the password for Sky accounts. Customers can reset their password online at sky.com, a Sky spokesperson said adding that they did not be actually believe the company had been breached. However, the account also told some customers that the reset was linked to part of the incident that happened last week. We've been informed by the provider of Sky.com email that a number of email accounts have been accessed without permission. Its official disclosure on the incident read, as a precautionary measure, these accounts have been locked. However, Sky's disclosure on the attack was undated, making it hard to know quite what incident they're referring to, And as we say, the ICO say they're not aware of any current incident being reported to them. So we will keep an eye on this incident with Stry and hopefully bring you an update in next week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. But in the meantime, we would echo the call of Stry and advise Stry customers to change their email password just to ensure that security is maintained.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: The police have arrested a 25-year-old man from Bradford on a suspicion of committing computer misuse at crimes after Lancaster University suffered a data breach affecting more than 12,000 students and potential students. In a statement, the National Crime Agency said Officers from the National Crime Agency's National Cyber Crime Unit arrested the man on Monday 27th of July and he has since been released under investigation while inquiries are ongoing. Lancaster University has admitted that a phishing attack had resulted in person or persons unknown accessing the personal data of people applying for undergraduate degree courses starting this year and starting in 2020. The information stolen included names, addresses, email addresses, and phone numbers. Using this information, it's become clear that fraudulent invoices have been sent to some of the students and potential students. With overseas applicants, of which Lancaster had 575 last year from non EU countries and 375 from other EU countries, each paying fees measured in tens of thousands of pounds per year. The potential for high returns from fraudulent invoices is great. We are advised that around half a dozen students have paid the fraudulent invoices. The highest undergraduate fees for overseas non-EU students at Lancaster is for the Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery, MBCHB course, which has an annual cost of £31,540. We understand that the breach could potentially have affected 20,000 people altogether although so far the University of Lancaster says it has identified only 12,500 people based on UCAS data. It's understood that the hacker gained access through the compromise of a staff account with administrator credentials and so therefore could access pretty well all of the data on the system. We contacted Lancaster University but they've declined an official comment and the ICO say they are aware of the data breach and are awaiting further information from the University of Lancaster so once we have any update on this in future episodes of the GDPR weekly show we will of course bring it to you check us out on facebook into scotland for our next article this week and low income families who applied for help to buy school uniforms have had their children's details and personal information leaked by Glasgow City Council. It's not yet clear how many people have had their data leaked, but it's believed to be over 30. Children's names, which stall they are at, their dates of birth, their parents' earnings, national insurance details and bank information were sent out last week in a blunder which Glasgow City Council has described as an administrative error. The leak came to light when a woman who had applied for the grant herself received more than ten emails from Glasgow Council containing information of families who had also applied. It was after the council had asked her for additional information for her own application. The woman, who does not want to be identified, said she was sent fifteen emails containing applications for families, some of which had information for up to six children, as well as the personal details of their parents. The Lady, 27 years old, contacted the counsellor immediately to raise her concerns which the authority did not seem to be aware of prior to her complaint. In her complaint the lady stated, I applied for a clothing grant with yourselves for my son starting back at school. Yesterday I received an email stating that I needed to provide more information and at the bottom of my email it had my form attached with all my personal information but more to the point all my son's information including his name, date of birth, and which school he attends. After I received the email, I received a further 15 emails from the CBS grant line with a further 15 separate emails which included other people's applications. All of their personal information was attached, name, address, national insurance number, bank details, telephone numbers and emails, and again all the information regarding their children, including children's names, dates of birth, address, and school in which these children attend. This mistake on your behalf has caused me a great deal of emotional stress, the lady said. The lady went on to say that she suffers from extreme anxiety and depression and this data breach is putting me under immense mental strain, thinking that there are people that have my son's details and which story attends, as well as all my personal information. The council replied, thanking her for bringing this matter to their attention and said the data protection officer would be carrying out a full investigation. The lady said, "I was really upset by it as I have really bad anxiety. So I was worried sick that my details or my son's details had been leaked. I was panicking that people would know my business and that I earn less than a certain amount. I didn't like having the pressure of knowing of all these people's details that weren't from me either. It may be concerning how often these things happen. It's really concerning. Some of the applications had as many as six children on the form. The lady said that she felt fobbed off when she lodged her complaint." and said she did not trust that her own details had not been compromised. She added, I'm sure people apply for this grant, some of them anyway, may not want it known they have applied. There's also the child protection issue. What if children are not allowed to see their families or something and it is circulating exactly what school they go to? It's not acceptable. I don't feel the council resolved my complaint. All they've said is they would investigate. The Information Commissioner is now investigating the breach which has been reported to them by Glasgow City Council. An Information Commission officer's spokesperson said organisations have a legal duty to ensure the security of any personal information they hold. We are aware of an incident concerning Glasgow City Council and will be assessing the information provided. When we contacted Glasgow City Council, a spokesperson said unfortunately due to a procedural error, personal information was shared with third parties and we have apologised and informed everyone concerned. The breach has also been reported to the Information Commissioner and new procedures are in place to prevent a reoccurrence. We'll obviously bring you an update on this in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show because this uh, case I'm certain will run and run. But it is especially concerning that it contains of course sensitive data both in terms of the financial information of the applicants, but more importantly possibly the details of the children and in particular the schools which the children are attending which obviously could make those children vulnerable to someone with ill intentions and uh, so we would hope that the ICO will treat this case accordingly and we'll continue to follow it on your behalf and bring you updates in future episodes of the GDPR weekly show.
0: You're listening to the GDPR weekly show with your host Keith Budden.
1: to bulgaria next and news that two people there have been arrested over a data breach which is believed to be the biggest data breach in bulgaria and interestingly the two have been charged with terrorism offenses uh, it's understood from sofia that prosecutors have charged two workers at a cybersecurity company with terrorism as part of an investigation into Bulgaria's biggest ever data breach, a lawyer for the defendants said on Wednesday this week. George Yankov, a manager at the company, Tad Group, has been charged and released from custody, lawyer Georgi Stefanov said. Earlier charges of crime against information systems against Christian Boykov, a 20-year-old cybersecurity worker at the same company, have now been changed to terrorism offences, he added. Stefanov went on to say that both denied any wrongdoing. Prosecutors have not immediately made any comment. Stefanov went on to tell listening journalists that we are very surprised with these charges. How do you charge someone with terrorism but then let them go? He added. On Tuesday, police raided the officers of Tad Group, seizing computers and detaining a manager over a last month's cyber attack on the tax agency in which nearly every Bulgarian adult's personal data and financial records were compromised. Boitov was traditionally released from custody on Wednesday but banned from leaving the country. Prostitutes have said they believe Boitov did not act alone and was continuing to look for others in connection with the attack. Prostitutes believe Boitov was behind an email sent from someone purporting to be a Russian hacker who was offering stolen tax agency files to local media. They do not currently believe that the attack came from abroad but was contained within Bulgaria. Prosecutors said decrypted data from one of Boytov's computers led them to conclude for the time being that he had stolen all the data that had been published online. The tax agency is facing a fine of up to 20 million euros from the Bulgarian Information Commissioner over the breach which officials said compromised about 3% of the tax agency's database. According to the Bulgarian newspaper Capital, the leaked data also included files from the EU's anti-fraud network, Eurofisk, which allows national tax administrations to share information on fraudulent activities and help combat organised VAT fraud. On Wednesday, the tax agency said it would contact 189 Bulgarian citizens whose full names, personal identification numbers, addresses and ID card details were among the leaked data. It said the other 4 million or so Bulgarians affected by the breach do not need to change their national ID cards. The agency has informed notaries, banks and credit lenders in the Balkan country over the data breach and urged all of them to be extra vigilant in approving property deals or extending loans. Obviously, given the scale of this, potential data breach. Um, It's likely that this will continue to feature in the news for a number of weeks to come and we will, of course, keep you updated in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: Over to America now, and in New York, Governor Andrew M. Cuomo signed the Stop Hacks and Improve Electronic Data Security Act into law, uh, commonly known as the SHIELD Act, with the new consumer privacy policy being designed to protect New Yorkers' private data and strengthen New York's data breach policies. The legislation signing comes on the heels of the announcement of the $650 million settlement agreed upon with Equifax, by U.S. states and federal agencies following an investigation into the 2017 Equifax Data Breach that led to almost 150 million people having their personal information exposed. The new legislation, sponsored by State Senator Kevin Thomas, Chairman of the Committee on Consumer Protection, expands the scope of information subject to the current Data Breach Notification Law to include biometric information and email addresses and their corresponding passwords or security questions and answers. It is critical that our laws keep pace with the rapidly changing world of technology. The Shield Act raises security standards that no more are New Yorkers needlessly victimised by data breaches and cyber attacks, said Senator Thomas. The bill also increases civil penalties and widens the definition of a data breach to also apply the notification requirement to any person or entity with private information of a New York resident not just those that conduct business in New York State. So, so in a way, this is very similar to what's been applied to the with GDPR, that you don't need to necessarily have business in Europe to be covered by GDPR. And this is saying you don't need to have a business in New York State to have to apply these rules to any information you hold on New York State Resident. It also requires reasonable data security, provides standards tailored to the size of the business, and provides protections from liability for certain entities, as per the purpose described by the SHIELD Act on the New York State Senate official website. As technology seeps into practically every aspect of our daily lives, it is increasingly critical that we do everything we can to ensure the information that companies are trusted with is secure," said Governor Tuomo. The stark reality is security breaches are becoming more frequent and with this legislation New York is taking steps to increase protection for consumers and holding these companies accountable when they mishandle sensitive data. The newly signed legislation will take effect in 240 days' time and updates New York's data breach notification law to keep up with today's technology while making sure that no excessive costs are imposed on smaller businesses and Jupiter obligations are avoided. At the same time, the New York Governor also signed the S-3582 Senate Bill into law, which will provide reasonable consumer protection after a credit reporting agency goes through a data breach that involves individual social security numbers. If this is the case, then the signed bill, sponsored by State Senator Leroy Convery, will take effect 60 days after being signed and requires anyone affected by a breach involving social security numbers to provide all of those people uh, affected by the breach with five-year identity theft prevention services. Additionally, the legislation requires credit reporting agencies to inform consumers on credit freezes of a breach of data involving a social security number and provides consumers with the rights to freeze their credit at no extra cost. It's obvious that a good part of this uh, requirement has come as a result of the Equifax data breach, but nonetheless it's very welcome and means that New York now follows California as one of the other US states into adopting standards which are equivalent to, at the very least, GDPR.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: In a week that's seen our Prime Minister change to become Boris Johnson and so much focus on Brexit, is perhaps an appropriate week to bring news that the Brexit Department has potentially committed a data breach which has not been reported to the ICO within the required 72 hours as laid down in GDPR. It's understood that the leak saw the Brexit Department pass a constituent's case from a member of the Scottish Parliament to a Conservative MP without the consent of the person involved. Uh, It's understood that Keith Brown has urged the head of the Civil Service to investigate the sharing of the correspondence by Westminster departments after a matter raised by him on behalf of a local businessman was passed to the office of Luke Graham MP. The businessman had not contacted Graham's office and Claire Moriarty, Permanent Secretary to the Department for Esting the European Union, said a member of her staff was responsible for the data breach. She said action has been taken and Graham, who argued Brown should have told him about the matter anyway, has been asked to delete all records relating to the case. It's now been revealed that the Department for Esting the European Union, DEXEU, did not report the matter to the Information Commissioner's Office, which can issue fines for data breaches. Data controllers within organisations are responsible for reporting data breaches to the ICO on a case-by-case basis within 72 hours. The ICO said organisations must notify us within 72 hours of general personal data breach unless it does not pose a risk to people's rights and freedoms. If an organisation decides that a breach doesn't need to be reported, they should keep their own record of it and be able to explain why it wasn't reported if necessary. And now, in this particular instance, we don't know enough about the case to know whether it should have been reported to the ICO, and we would only hope that it has been recorded in the data breach register for the Department of Threats in the European Union. But nonetheless, the timing, of course, is unfortunate for the department. And uh, if there is any update on this, we will bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: And finally this week, we have news of a data breach at the Isle of Man Department of Health and Social Care. An investigation has been launched into the data breach in adult social services. It's understood that names, phone numbers and addresses have been mislaid in the Home Care Service Department. It is understood that the data breach affects 33 service users, 43 people who are down as next of kin, and 11 carers in total. The Head of Operations for Adult Social Care in the Department of Health and Social Care is Jonathan Carey, and he gave us a few words about this which you can hear now. We support some of the most vulnerable people in our society and the home care service um, provides support and care to enable those people to stay at home and receive the service in their own in their own home. Fundamental to our operation is that um, those people we support trust what we do um, and so it's very important that we convey to our service users that we're doing everything in our power at this moment in time to ensure that we find out what's gone wrong on this particular occasion.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk you can find out more about us and Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk, and I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com/Insurity.